Hi there, welcome to another edition of Resistance TV. Now then, the political class are becoming increasingly authoritarian, and that's, as I'm sure many of our viewers will have seen, been manifesting itself with the police clamping down on solidarity, in particular with Palestine. So I'm going to start tonight's show by reciting Pastor Martin Niemöller's poem, First They Came. And again, I guess many of our viewers will be aware of Pastor Niemöller, who was a victim of the Nazis, and, and I guess you're probably familiar with the poem as too, uh, with, familiar with the poem as well too. So, anyway, uh, here goes. This is this is what it says. Um, First, they came for the communists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the socialists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. So the reason I recited that poem is because Communist Party members have been among the first to be targeted by this clampdown, which has been instigated by Zionist extremists and their apologists in Parliament. I mean, and you know, around half the Parliamentary Labour Party are members of the so-called Labour Friends of Israel and it's around 80% of, of Tory MPs who are in the equivalent Conservative Friends of Israel. So, you know, the, the Zionists have really uh, cornered the market, as it were, in terms of support in Westminster. Anyway, I'm pleased to welcome on to the show this evening, uh, Ranji Bra, uh, to, to talk about this. And uh, guess a lot of people will, will know about Ranjit, but I mean, Ranjit is a consultant vascular and endovascular surgeon and a prominent member of the Communist Party. Welcome to the show, Ranjit. How are you? Chris, thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm absolutely fine. Thank you. And it's great to be with you. Great. Well, I'm pleased you've been able to, to join us this evening because I know you're incredibly busy. But um, I just want to start, uh, Ranjit, if it's OK, because I mean, you know, you've been arrested on two separate occasions where you've been uh, involved in the rallies and marches in support of uh, Palestine. And just before we get into the discussion, now, we, we've got a video uh, that was taken uh, by someone uh, of the last time you arrested, which I think was around 10 days ago. So we'll just play that first and then we'll get into your reaction and uh, if you can give us some background about you know, why you were arrested on those two separate occasions. Why are you arresting him? 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 Really fucking hurts, man. Yes, I'm in pain. I'm really fucking pain. He's in pain. Why are you arresting him? Why are you arresting him? No reason. Why are you arresting him? He's got two kids. He's got two kids with him. He's oh, got two young kids shoulder. with him. Ah, fuck, please take him off. Ah, my shoulder. He's got two kids with him, guys. Why are you arresting him? What are you doing? Shame on you. Shame on you. What are you doing? He's got two kids out there. Uh, what my, are you my, doing? My baby boy's on the street. There's no one yeah, we'll, we'll sort that. But, my, yeah. my baby boy's on the street. No one's looking after him. Why are you doing this? My, my, fuck. <laughs> My baby boy's on the street. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. My, my right shoulder. Yes, what are you doing? Why are you arresting him? He's got two kids. 
My baby boy is on the street. My child is on the street. I don't want him to run into the road. My four-year-old baby is on the street. Let's get him inside, okay? Bring my baby. Four, yeah. Bring my four-year-old baby. We'll sort it out, Jake. We'll sort it out. It's my child. Yeah. It's my four-year-old fucking son, you uh, Shame on you guys. What are you doing? 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 Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. You are an absolute disgrace. Those images are really shocking, Ranji, to to watch, uh, let alone the the victim of it. Just just tell us about obviously that arrest and and, and the previous arrest. I mean, and what in God's name is going on? It's 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 kind of well, it flabbergasted me. I mean, I mean, I've seen that video a few times, and, it, and it's, it's shocking every time I look at it. Yeah, I feel a little bit emotional watching it, actually, Chris, remembering it. Um, I, I actually hadn't seen that particular video in that particular image. But, um, yeah, I was uh, I was in physical pain. So this is, uh, you know, I, I was obviously particularly worried. And, and what really upset me was, uh, you know, I had attended a, a peaceful vigil, really, outside Hammersmith Police Station. And that's because the day before, that was Sunday, the 14th of January. The day before, Saturday, the 13th of January, there had been another enormous and impressive um, demonstration in solidarity with the people of Palestine marching against the genocide in central London. Um, and I'd attended that demonstration despite having previously been arrested on the 25th of November last year. But I was bailed under particular conditions on the 25th of November that, uh, that they made it illegal for me to distribute books, distribute leaflets, distribute material at a demonstration. They made it illegal on, on my bail conditions to deviate from the route of march. And they made it illegal for me to you know, distribute the imagery of the far right, which which I hadn't done in any way. But fine. I said, fine. But they made it explicit that I was able to go to demonstrations. And so the day before this particular arrest, I had gone to the Palestine demonstration, um, as was my right. And I'd spoken, you know, I'd addressed the crowd from a, from a loudspeaker um, and, and, and got the crowd chanting, got them in conversation, uh, made a few political points, as is my right, exercising my free yeah. speech to go to a, a protest and, and to exercise my democratic right, apparently, to show solidarity with Palestine. Now, I'd walked away from that demonstration, fine. But then after I'd left, Three of my comrades from my party, the Communist Party of Great Britain, Marxist Leninist, the Communists is our website. You can see details of our of our of our you know of our information there. Um, they had been arrested, and they had been arrested essentially for giving out a leaflet, and that leaflet expressed solidarity with the Palestinian. And it says, as you see, their victory to the Palestinian people in their ju just war for liberation. And, and it particularly says, you know, we take this opportunity, this latest wave in what is a hundred long war to reaffirm our solidarity with the Palestinian resistance. The Palestinian people as an occupied people have the right to resist that. That right is enshrined in several UN resolutions, 1960, 1970, one of the ones that spring to mind in which they explicitly say people under occupation have the right to, to resist. And, and they particularly make reference to at that time, the people of apartheid South Africa and the Palestinian people 
So there's nothing unusual about that. But the police said that the language of that paragraph was essentially Hamas language. Now, it doesn't mention any particular group. The Palestinians have many different leadership groups. And it's been a feature. You know, if you look at Piers, not Piers Corbyn, sorry, if you look at um, um, uh, 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 Piers, um, or oh, Talk TV, Piers. Oh, Piers Morgan. Morgan, of course. Yes, yeah, so, 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 no. a slip of the mind. You look at yeah. Piers Morgan and his uh, output. You know, what they're absolutely very keen on doing is getting anyone who's, you know, sympathetic towards the Palestinian people onto the show and browbeating them, saying, do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn Hamas? Now, this is a, it's an interesting strategy, because first of all, you think it's just a moral condemnation. And everyone says, look, I'm against violence. I oppose them. And what they're asking you to do is say that the Palestinian resistance is terrorist. Of course, if you don't do that, if you speak out for the right of the Palestinian people to resist, to exist, and therefore to resist what is a genocide happening against them, well, then they can actually start to uh, put you into a position where they can indict you under the terrorism laws. And so what they did, you know, I hadn't said that, okay, we hadn't discussed explicitly Hamas as an organization. But they say if you do, if they, if they can say that you're guilty of supporting Hamas, they can imprison you for up to 14 years under yeah. in the Terrorism Act 2000, Section 12, which is, um, you know, uh, uh, campaigning or asking for support for a proscribed organization under this law. So it's actually a very draconian and wide-ranging law that they can bring to bear. Now, as it happens, hadn't done any of those things, but that was the grounds on which they arrested my comrades. And on that time, when you're looking at me, I had gone the next day. So this is 1.30 the following day when I'd gone to the police station to try and get those comrades out, to welcome them out, to encourage the police to release them. They obviously became that I was there, aware that I was there. And, and what, what we realize is they're using spotters on the street. So Zionist organizations are using spotters on the street to kind of collaborate with the police to orchestrate these arrests and this criminalization of the campaign that it become very clear that a that a website called Harry's Place that you may be aware yes. of, um, which I is you know a, a, an adjunct essentially of the Zionist movement in Britain and works hand in glove with the British state, um, had had literally taken photos of the comrades who were giving out leaflets, photos of people who were manning the stall, had pinned that on Twitter, added the Metropolitan Police, given a map where to find them, and orchestrated this campaign. And, and again, you can see the actual arrest of our comrades. They were literally. 50 policemen who came round to arrest them and they're going through our stall, going through our literature, you know, and, and confiscating literature and arresting those comrades. Now, all of it, I think, will end up being spurious and they won't be able to push it through. But this, to me, is acting hand in glove with what, what has been Suella Braveman and subsequently, you know, David Cameron and, and Rishi Sunak and others, you know, avowed wish to criminalise the Palestine Solidarity Movement, to put pressure on the police to say you are given unfair policing, lenient policing, you've got to crack down harder on them. And it's clearly been an orchestrated campaign to do that, of which I feel myself to be really quite quite an innocent innocent victim. And because, you know, there's been no sense of fracas, there's been no sense of, you know, disorder. Literally, I have expressed solidarity with Palestine on these marches. And I can only assume that our organisation has been targeted either for its effectiveness or because it's literally been singled out by you know, the Zionist organizations who work with the police and they have tried to finger us for arrest. Yeah.
I mean, it's not illegal to support the Palestinian resistance. And as you quite rightly point out, uh, Ranjit, uh, the Palestinian resistance isn't just Hamas. I mean, you've got the Popular Front for the Liberation of uh, Palestine, uh, Islamic Jihad, a, a range of groups. And there is a, uh, a combination of the um, of resistance uh, groups who, who came together on October the, the 7th. It wasn't just Hamas. I mean, Hamas took, took, took the lead. They were the most, most dominant one. But it's completely wrong to say that it is only uh, Hamas um, that, 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 that has, uh, you know, been involved in that um, prison breakout on October the 7th. But just tell us a, a little bit as well, if you could, Ranji, about the arrest on, uh, I'm not quite sure what the date was, but the first arrest where you uh, had a, again, that's on, on video, people might be able to Google it, but you, you had a, mm. a long discussion with the with the police officer, but uh, they still arrested you. And this was because you were selling a particular book, wasn't it? That's right. And so that, that was on the, um, if I'm right, the Saturday, the 25th of November. So we've, I mean, we've been to many marches. I've been active on the question of Palestine as yourself, as you have, Chris, perhaps not as effectively as yourself or as prominently as yourself. But I've been active on the issue as long as I've been interested in politics, as yeah. long as I've known about the history. This is not a new conflict. It goes back, as you know, to the Balfour Declaration, to the, to the, to the post-war 1948 Nakba. So, so you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long historical conflict. And there's a big historical injustice that has been done towards the Palestinian people. And, and we've been active campaigners on this. But, you know, we have been in this latest upsurge of the conflict and this huge genocide that has quite rightly outraged a large section of world public opinion, but also the opinion of British working class who have traditionally stood with the Palestinian people. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a huge movement, and I've been at all, pretty much all of the demonstrations, as I've been to many demonstrations throughout my life. Um, so there's nothing particularly unusual about this event that led to the arrest. We literally, um, on the 25th of November, had a stall, and we didn't have a huge presence, but we had a stall, one of many organizations that have a stall. But we do have excellent, you know, literature, and, and I have got this, you know, um, some of these events um, recorded because what initially happened is we were speaking to some of the policemen in fact we we recognized i recognized some of the policemen from some of the previous demonstrations and on a previous demonstration they had taken a pamphlet um, which was written actually by my father paul bra called zionism um, and it's about the history of the ideology of zionism where it came from how it was a essentially a british colonial actually victorian idea and it was a construct uh, um, you know which was they sought to in, in their own words, Zionize Judaism and Judaize Zionism. So to take this idea, uh, you know, that the natural homeland of Jews was in Palestine and, and use it to their own ends. And their own ends were, you know, how to divide and rule the territories that they were going to, they were planning to newly acquire and then did newly acquire after the First World War in the Sykes-Picot Agreement. So, you know, if you have a long-term colony, you have to have a long-term strategy to rule. And the British are, are, are very good. They had been very good. They had a lot of experience of this. You know, in India, they'd use division between Hindus and Muslims. In the north of Ireland, they'd use divisions between Catholics and Protestants. And their idea in in, in Israel, because they, you know, or, or rather in their newly conquered te territories from what was the Ottoman Empire, was to engender a privileged group, and, and they, they plan to use Zionism for that. So there's a whole history of how that was yeah. brought about. 
um, through Lord Salisbury and various other, you know, um, high-ranking members of the British ruling class. And ultimately, through Theodore Herzl and Leo Pinsker, they were able to bring that to fruition, particularly um, using Jews from uh, the Jewish population of East, uh, Eastern Europe and, and Russia, the former pale, where they met very heavy discrimination. Uh, but it was still a minority view. And so they managed to uh, basically gradually bring this into, into, into being. Um, and, and it talks about the Havara, which is the transfer to agreement, which, you know, Ken Livingston got in trouble for kind of making a slightly inaccurate references to it. But this agreement is a historical fact that because Zionism was a far right ultra nationalist ideology, which considered that the home of the Jews wasn't in Europe and that they could never assimilate, that they should therefore leave. This coincided. It wasn't the same ideology, but it coincided with the belief of far right Nazism, which also said Jews don't belong in Europe. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they ultimately went on to, to perform the Holocaust, which we absolutely don't deny in any way. How could we? It's a historical fact. But that, that coincidence led to a cooperation so that the Zionists and the Nazis did cooperate. And, and they had something called the Havara, which was a transfer agreement, a banking agreement for moving uh, capital and human beings from Germany, from Europe to Israel. All of this is documented in the book as historical fact, as mainly refers to the work of Jewish scholars, Israeli scholars, and indeed you know, actually Israeli court cases in which the collaboration with Nazism, you know, was an embarrassment uh, and ultimately, you know, was the subject of several court cases involving some of the leading, um, particularly Hungarian uh, Zionists following the war. So all of this is in the book. It's not a new book. It's, in, it's, it's like a seven. It was published, first of all, 10 years ago in, in a journal called Lalkar, and then as a collection of articles put together and, and published five, six years ago. The police had previous record of it. And so there's nothing new about it at all. But on this occasion, and again, basically, I think because Harry's Place or another Zionist group yeah. had fingered it in the context of Soil abrasement, wanting to crack down and criminalize the demonstrations. You know, having talked to the police initially, they went off, then they came back and said, Oh no, we've been told now this is a crime and we have to confiscate the book. So initially they took the book, took 20 of the books. They were literally actually taking it out of people's hands because, you know, what we do have at the moment is a mass movement that's hungry for knowledge. Yes. And, and they, they're aware of the, the superficial and, and open nature of the crimes uh, that's being committed by the state of Israel against the Palestinian people. This is very evident. And I think this, in a sense, the social media generation has kind of blasted a hole in the, in the mainstream media to allow workers of the West to, to experience that. But what they don't know about is the, the history. How do we come to that point? And, and the links, if you like, between Zionism and, 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 and the masters of Zionism, you know, who are really the Anglo-American, the British and American imperialists who still use Israel as a major plank for domination in the Middle East. So, they're hungry. They've got this mass movement that's hungry for knowledge. And I think perhaps for that reason, the Zionists have picked us out as a, as a dangerous group. We're by no means the only place you can get knowledge from. But we do have and we pride ourselves on excellent analysis and, and truthful, factual, historical analysis. You know, your, your poem that you cite, first they came for the communists. And, they, you know, they, they, what, what, it really reminds me of Goebbels. You'll probably be aware of Goebbels as the propaganda minister of Germany. He said, you know, he's a person who said, if you tell a big lie often enough, the people will believe it. But yeah. what he also said, in the, actually in the same article, was um, uh, um, uh, that the truth is the enemy of the lie. And by extension, the truth is the enemy of the state. Now, of course, that only is, holds good so long as the state rests upon lies and misinformation. But when the state does rest upon lies and misinformation, what they fear most of all is people who give really an accurate picture and expose their narrative. 
the narrative is all important at the moment to Western imperialism in their adventures and wars, which is why, of course, they always pretend in this current conflict that everything began on October 7th. There was no conflict before mm. October 7th. Hamas launched the war, and they're the terrorists, and this is the Israel-Hamas war, and they want you to forget history. So giving a historical context is something they're, they're frightened about, and I think that's why they fear communists, come for the communists first. Just, actually, not, not for being communists in and of themselves, but for having clear vision, giving clear information. Yeah. And it's that information connecting with the mass movement so that they become aware of you know, wider problems. Why, mm. why, why are we poor in our country when there's so much wealth? All of these problems are very much connected. And I think it's for this reason they're, they're clamping down. So once they'd taken the booklet, they went away. And literally half an hour later, they came back and said, we've got further instructions now. Um, now it is a crime and we have to arrest you. So again, you know, they went from just having a stall to confiscating books to then arresting us for, you know, and in a like half an hour interval. So clearly mm. there were politically orchestrated, you know, decisions which had all being made behind the scene. And, and I felt quite sorry for the police as kind of quite low level, you know, um, you know, agents, servants. Yes, mm. they're having to follow orders. Yes, they ultimately will have to take responsibility for their actions and think for themselves, but they don't know what they're doing. They're being told this is a crime. Go and arrest those people. They're just doing their job. And, you know, the low-level policemen who look after you, yes. they're quite decent people. They look after you very nicely. They'll, they, they'll treat you nicely when you're in jail. But they don't, they, don't know what they're, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're being asked to do. And they don't no. realize the extent to which they're being used to politically police, political criticism of Israel. And in yes. that way, very really shutting down freedom of speech and criminalizing what otherwise has been our, our right. And acting really as an adjunct of mm. the genocide in the working class movement in our country, Chris. Mm. I mean, interesting uh, you say that, actually, because, I mean, I've had a few conversations myself with, with police uh, at local demonstrations because, I mean, these demonstrations in Sports Palestine are not just confined to London and the big cities. I mean, many smaller cities and, indeed, towns, even villages are, uh, are uh, expressing their solidarity and, and revulsion and horror at what the Zionist entity has been uh, doing in, in Gaza. And, indeed, in the West Bank, let's not forget uh, the pogroms that they are engaged in in the, in the terror uh, regime and terror campaigns that they are waging in the occupied uh, West Bank. And uh, it's, you know, they're just obeying orders, these, these guys. I mean, and, um, you know, they, uh, when I challenged them, you know, they say, well, this is, this is what we've, well, a bit like we, what you experienced, really, you know, well, this is what we've been told. And, and I've subsequently, you know, taken it up with, with various chief constables with not a huge amount of success, but at least it's a shot across the, uh, the bow. It's also interesting as well, what you say, Ranji, about them, confiscating books and just the just the kind of imagery of that really and you you know you quoted uh, Goebbels and you know of course the Nazis are infamous of course you know the great book burning uh, exercise and it's you know this kind of seems to be a, a sort of parallel there and uh, another thing which 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 came to mind when you was talking uh, about Goebbels and, and and telling you know the big lie as it were and so on I'm just reminded of, of, of what Julian Assange said. And of course, let's remember, you know, poor Julian still languishing in a high security uh, Belmarsh prison for basically exposing um, US war crimes. And obviously that's the main reason. But I mean, he was doing a lot more than that, exposing uh, the abuse of corporate and state state power. But it's an absolute outrage. But of course, one of the things he said before he was incarcerated is that uh, all wars are started by lies. And if war can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth, he was saying. So your point about truth is absolutely crucial. And truth tellers are targeted. It's quite an astonishing and, and chilling state of affairs that truth tellers 
you know, Julian being the most uh, prominent uh, amongst them, but, you know, you are another uh, truth teller, uh, Ranjit, uh, who's been uh, targeted and, and your comrades in the Communist Party have been uh, have been targeted for uh, for exposing the truth, as it were, um, and uh, and trying to sort of close you close you down, but also I think to to send a a message to intimidate and frighten others who might be considering following in your footsteps. I don't think it's working, mine, because the, you know the turnouts are sort of increasing all the time in these in these demonstrations. You know because you know people are just not going to wear. I think. Uh, the you know a genocide happening on their tv screens before our very eyes but just in terms of uh, you know the arrest at ranjit i think you think you did briefly mention it but i think you said it was uh the you know terrorist legislation that they are the ocean just say a little bit about that will you i mean what 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 offenses are they claiming that you have committed have they been have you been charged and are, and have they you know are, they, are you expecting to have to appear in court Thanks, Rosh. Well, thanks for your generous words. I would in no way compare myself to Julian Assange because he's just a far more um, effective. Um, people have understood his cause and he's really, really being persecuted. But it is, this, but you're right, it is the same phenomenon. Actually, and, and he's not alone. You also, Chris, you know, we must say you're also been a great truth teller, someone who wanted to call out the lies told, you know, try to criminalize yourself trying to get rid of Jeremy Corbyn from the leadership of the Labour Party, trying to rob this country of what they definitely wanted, which was a, you know, a government of your administration, a left-wing Labour government. And, the, and it was the Labour Party machine in cooperation with the state that cracked down on you and said, that is not possible. Yeah. And that reminded me very much of, you know, I, and look, I have someone who has thought for a long time, the Labour Party is not capable of bringing socialism to Britain. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, I totally understand you worked inside the Labour Party and thought it was. And, uh, you know, uh, it, but, but to me, the experience of seeing the Labour Party machine so overtly collaborate with the state yeah. to get rid of its own government and yeah. why. And it showed to me, again, what I, what I had thought was the case and perhaps didn't seem like it was to you working from the inside of the Labour Party, which is that, you know, really, the Labour Party had been suborned as part of the state apparatus. And what the bourgeoisie, what the capitalists are not prepared to do is, is compromise in any way on their financial interests. Britain as a kind of old imperial power has amassed so much wealth. We forget it sometimes just as working people when we're not wealthy. But in the city of London, there's such a concentration of wealth, the result you know, of, of hundreds of years of empire and looting, that they still very, you know, are are dependent on exports of capital and the profits they make from investing that all abroad and exploiting you know workers all over the broad that's what brings their brings in their bacon if you like and mm -hmm. you know, Karl Marx very famously said that nowadays you know atheism itself is a minor sin compared to the criticism of existing property relations he said the english church would more readily more readily pardon a tax on 38 of its 39th articles than on 139th of its income and i think this is the vindictive heart of the matter, that the real establishment, the Tory party, the city of London, the state, and actually I think that the leadership, the right-wing leadership of the Labour Party as well, are all in collaboration in protecting the interests of finance capitalists. That, that makes them very vindictive against you, against Jeremy Corbyn, against Julian Assange, and in a minor way against me and my comrades as well. Um, but in terms of the terrorist legislation, sorry to come back to your actual question it was just thinking in response to your your, your no, words no, and, and your thoughts 
Um, but in terms of the, the terrorism legislation, so what they've actually said is, um, this is Section 12 of the Terrorism Act 2000, which is, um, you know, giving uh, support uh, or, or propaganda to support a proscribed organisation. So they list, you know, lists of organisations. I guess it's incumbent upon us all to keep up to date with those organisations and to be very careful about our wording in order to carry on our work and avoid being liable to those charges. But, the, you know, myself, of course, they, they were totally unable to prove this. One, because I was actually you know, released, first of all, on bail conditions, saying I couldn't give out information at a demonstration. So I, by definition, didn't give out the leaflet that they were concerned about, no. and they were unable to prove that I did because I hadn't. Uh, but secondly, my comrades also gave out a leaflet, which in no way makes any reference to Hamas, but it supports the right of the Palestinian people to resist, which is uh, enshrined in international law and UN resolutions. So again, they don't really have a leg to stand on, but clearly they're seeking to. And I know that, for example, Tony Greenstein, uh, who is a member of Brighton PSC, I understand, um, and and I understand, again, is a man of Jewish origin, you know, yes. has put, put out some kind of tweet. And I've, I've seen the tweet. I don't know if it's true, but it, it apparently says, I support Hamas. Now, you can see why someone would say that when everyone is being asked to conflate Palestinian people with one particular organization, which our government has in advance labeled terrorist and made an, an outlawed, although it is, you know the democratically elected government of the people of yeah. Gaza since 2006. <laughs> but then, yeah. but then if you, you know, and that's part of the Israeli strategy also to divide the West Bank from the Gaza Strip, to sow discord amongst the PLO so that they could face the disunited opposite. That's been part of their strategy, um, um, which is to an extent has worked. But irrespective of all that history, you know, we're being asked to buy into that narrative. So I understand why Tony Greenstein said, well, I, I, not me, Tony Greenstein said he supported Hamas. So I understand that, but that makes you liable to prosecution mm. under, the, under these laws. So we have to be box clever and, and, and not fall, not put ourselves in that position. Personally, I didn't put myself in that position, but I was still targeted. So this is mm. political policing. And, and I think it's aimed to say, oh, I've someone who's become prominent, not, not really for anything I've done, for the victimization they first put on me, you know, in that first demonstration. That went very, very widely viral on Instagram. I wasn't into Instagram. I, you know, I, I considered this an app for sharing photos with a few friends and family of my kids. But actually, it was, you know, I'm, I'm aware of it. But it, it, there's a very large number of, you know, political active people and pro-Palestine supporters in particular. So Loki, Judy Kala, Palestine on a plate, you know, a, a Gazan girl. There's, lo there's lots of, you know, Palestinians and Palestinian active press news who are who are on that platform and they actually televised my arrest and or, or spread it on social media channel very widely and it was that that led all kinds of people uh, to come to know of it and know of me and actually reach out so if the if the intention was to put political policing and send a message to people they shouldn't be involved in this actually what they've done is it's like they've they've picked us out of the crowd and they've drawn attention to the very thing that the zionists were afraid of which is the knowledge and the truth and i've got to tell you that we've sold hundreds of those books those are that, that analysis and with you know we don't sell it a profit it's, it's sold at cost price but the, the point is that the knowledge is yeah. going out to people and they'll be strengthened by that whether they join our organization another organization no organization the truth and, and that historical truth and information can only strengthen their resolve strengthen our movement and strengthen our cause so i'm very i'm very pleased about that um i think you know we do have to be careful of the law. And I think it's something that we're going to be addressing. Um, obviously, there's, there's changed. If the state are going to start putting extreme pressure on activists, then we have to learn to continue our work.
in that mm. atmosphere of pressure. Personally, I refuse to be bowed. You can, to me, it, you know, Ho Chi Minh said nothing is more precious than independence and freedom, and he was talking about the right of nations. But as an individual, nothing is more precious than your, than your, than your consciousness, than your, than your, than your free will, than your freedom to speak out, than your knowledge that you're doing the right thing. And I think once you cave on those. You know, you you lose everything. So I'm an enormous respecter of yourself, of George, you know, of 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 your party and your work in the Workers' Party, Chris, but also of of Julian Assange and everyone who really is able to expose the current system of yeah. lies and the way it covers up for and you know it allows the criminal act of repression and war to go unpunished, but speaking against those criminal acts, it's seeking to criminalize. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're nearly at a, 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 an end of the, the show, uh, Ranjit. But I mean, you know, it's an absurdity, isn't it, to be invoking terrorist legislation against grassroots activists who are merely distributing uh, information, uh, truthful information. Um, I mean, it, it brings the whole thing into disrepute, doesn't it? I think it does. I think it shows the fragility. It's a sign of their weakness, not strength. Mm. I think, you know, when, mm. when, when British imperialism was strong enough that, you know, it can allow you to have whatever, oh, you can be a communist, there can be a million varieties of communists. We're not, we're not bothered because, you know, no one really believes it. Mm. I think that was their strength. They could, you know, they, they had, a, had a sense of we were going to, everyone's doing all right out of the system. I think right now they don't have that sense. You know, yeah. post-COVID with the, with the recession, there's yeah. 13 and a half million people in the country who are living in poverty, there's a massive and unprecedented reduction in the living standards. On the one hand, an increase in their drive to war uh, and, and a decrease in their overall power with the rise of BRICS and the decrease of British imperialism. And now they want to escalate their war against Iraq, against Yemen. And yet there's a mass movement on the street, which is not just a one-off, coming time and time again, week after week, which is seeing through their lies and opposing them. I think, I think they're far more worried than we realize sometimes mm. and our movement has far more ability to stop their plans and it's becoming more creative we're not just limiting ourselves at demonstration clearly there are people who are, are aware that if you challenge the economic and financial interests the LBIT systems the you know the military stop them transporting their weapons put pressure that the actually armies and military don't function um then then actually they, they lose their ability and by they i mean you know the british imperial business, billionaire business elite in that yeah. class, they lose their ability to carry yeah. on their racket. And, and I think I think they have genuine fear at this stage of, of the power yeah. of our movement. And we shouldn't forget the strength that we have. That's very encouraging uh, and uplifting words, uh, Ranjit. And, um, you know, and it's like it's a, a really important way of, of looking at it, the fact that, you know, they have been cracking down so hard and so ridiculously, actually against people like yourself, and indeed other people, you know, just for carrying a Palestinian flag or something like that. It's an it is indeed, I think, an indication of their weakness because you're absolutely right. And you think back, and, and this is, should be a real encouragement, I think, to, to people to, to keep going and build still further because you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, go back sort of, you know, 20 years or more ago, they didn't really care. It didn't, it didn't matter really because they didn't, they weren't fearful of us. They didn't think that we could cut through. But we are increasingly cutting through. I will say this as well, uh, Ranji. You know, you, you were ahead of the curve, or certainly as far as you're ahead of me, anyway, in terms of recognising the, you know, the Labour Party is essentially a vehicle of the of the establishment. It took me 44 years of party membership before I began to realise it. I naively thought that uh, you know the Labour Party was 
capable, if only we could get sufficient numbers of members to join, that we could turn it around and we could make it a genuine vehicle, you know, for uh, socialism. And, uh, you know, we sort of came close, but unfortunately, I think the leadership uh, blinked. And uh, I think if they'd perhaps been a bit more uh, um, uh, ruthless and or, or a little bit ruthless, I mean, they were not ruthless at all, actually, in challenging our enemies and calling them out, and particularly the Zionist uh, uh, lobby. You know, I think we could have got a, a lot further than we than we did. There was there was huge support uh, for us. I mean, we became the biggest the Labour Party that is became the biggest party, as you know, Ranji, in in Western Europe. And um, you know, there's a real sense of, of purpose. I mean, I told the country pushing for democracy reforms to basically consolidate our position, but unfortunately. You know, Jeremy and Len McCluskey and company, they um, they, they backed down and, and ended up uh, uh, voting them down, essentially. Well, Jeremy didn't have a vote, but but the Unite delegation voted down those democratic reforms, which would have made MPs accountable to the members. And they were on the ropes. They were struggling. And I know, had we got that through, who knows, the course of history may have been different. And just one other thing, I think, you know, you mentioned Tony Greenstein. I think just, just a little bit of clarification. I think from memory, I've, I've, I've not actually dug it up, but I think what he said was that he actually opposed Hamas. But when it came to Hamas versus Israel, he supported Hamas in those circumstances. It was worse to that effect. It wasn't sort of giving, you know, Hamas a blank check. And, of course, you know, he's been targeted on that basis. But, um, Ranji, that's been a really fascinating uh, discussion. You know, we could go on for a lot longer. We must get you back because you are, you know, you're a great raconteur and you're a great advocate for for truth and and justice and a real kind of uh a real uh, spirited and, and brave uh activist comrade you, you you set the the standard for others to to follow so where can people follow your work ranjit i mean i know you're on social media but how can they follow you how can they follow follow the communist party or the cpgb ml uh, and anything else any other sort of references that you want to uh let people know about so that they can uh, look them up Oh, that's very kind of you, Chris. Well, um, you know, we the, the easiest way is if you go to our website, which is simply the T H E Communists C O M M U N I S T S the Communists dot org. And if you go on that, then actually, I think the best way is if you it'll ask you to sign up for email updates, and you'll get regular information from the party and about our work. We're having a meeting this um Saturday. Um, in Sucklettwalla Hall, which is our, our hall in West London, uh, actually on, on the Labour Party and a, and, a, and a book that we've published on the Labour Party and its history, and its early days, its formation. And, and actually, the, sometimes we forget the litany of crimes that the Labour Party has been involved in. And it, it's very yeah. interesting sometimes to look at the history that we think we know and, and put it all together in, in context. I'll be introducing that book, though, again, it's, it's, not, it's not written by me, but um, that'll be a fantastic meeting. So basically, if you go to the right. Communists, sign up, sign up, sign up for, uh, we'd have, we have Twitter and various things, you'll be able, you'll be able to find us, but, but by the website is the, is the easiest way, Chris. And, and of course, hopefully, you know, right now, the worst thing is, my final bail conditions are, I am currently not allowed to attend any demonstration really? in any way, planned, unplanned. But I hope to be able to see you and our comrades will be out and in most major events and you'll be able to, to see us. And and, uh, and we hope to work with you and, and all of your viewers to help build a really strong and vibrant movement for socialist change in Britain, Chris. Absolutely. Well, look, unity is strength and we absolutely have to uh, collaborate and work together. Just one final, final thing, uh, Ranjit. What, what, how can people follow you personally? Because I think you, you yourself, I mean, you, you referred to the oh, CPGB... That's very kind. Well, I've, I've opened up an Instagram account now, which I think is uh, at Rango 
I can't even remember the Instagram account. <laughs> I've got a Twitter account. Hey, it's right, it's not there, look. You're on, on Twitter, hey, X. It's at Rango1917. That's very kind of you. Thank a, you. A very appropriate <laughs> year. So, uh, yeah. Nice one. Nice one. Listen, back to game, Ranjit. We've really, as I say, really enjoyed that. Uh, and I'm sure our viewers have as well. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching this evening. Uh, all being well, we'll be back next week at the same time. So, until then, this is Kusulimsa saying bye for now.